710 ESPN presents The Experience, the Experience. with Lafern Cusack, where we go beyond the play and focus on athletes, fans, events, and the biggest issues that inspire and shape our lives. Here's the host of The Experience, Lafern Cusack. Lafern Cusack. Celebrate cherished holiday traditions will be especially challenging for those already struggling with loneliness and isolation, such as the millions of older adults who've already been staying close to home and avoiding crowded places for months because of their higher risk of getting severely ill from COVID-19. In a typical year, the holidays are fun and festive, and it can be very stressful because of our lengthy to-do list. You know, I cut down on my to-do list, but unfortunately, many of us, the season will look very different this year with smaller gatherings, less travel, and less need for the usual elaborate holiday preparations. As a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, families have seen their daily routines turned upside down because of the need to adjust to changes in how we work, learn, and stay connected to people we care about. These changes in the way we celebrate the holiday will be especially challenging for those already struggling with loneliness and isolation, such as the millions of older adults who've already been staying close to home and avoiding crowded places. Dr. Kelly G., a family medicine physician with Optum Care Medical Group in Ladera Ranch, is here today to share some of those tips for staying connected from a safe, social distance and the importance of doing so. Experience on 710 ESPN continues. Back to Laferne Cusack. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm speaking with Dr. Kelly G. She is a family medicine physician with Optum Care Medical Group in Ladera Ranch. Welcome to the show, Dr. G. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. Dr. G, tell us how you got into healthcare. Well, Healthcare kind of came to me as a surprise. I initially didn't have any yearning to um, become a physician. It was, wasn't quite on my radar. I actually did my undergrad at USC and I got a degree in business. And I uh, then worked in the business field for a few years and just felt that it wasn't the right fit for me. I had this desire to help people. So I started volunteering and that volunteer experience came um in the setting of volunteering at a hospital. And one thing just led to another, and I found myself eventually applying for med school and then um, eventually doing my training. And eventually that led me to what I'm currently doing, practicing as a family medicine physician in Ladera Ranch. That's great. But with your business degree, do you use that in any part of your work now? Is it, Did it give you a, a different foundation that other doctors may not have? I think it certainly has helped um, for the practical sense of just knowing um, the 
practice aspects of medicine. Yes, it is a different um, territory, I guess, that we're we're working with, but um, there are things that you can ab- abstract from your knowledge in business and apply it to the medical field as well. Yeah, I, I think that you know, you, you talk about like kids going to college to get, have a well-rounded college experience and education. And I, I'm like, oh, wow, business degree, healthcare. That's, that's, that's very interesting to me. So it's like, okay, well, how does that all fit together? I, I certainly can pull out my business skills and apply it to what I'm currently doing every day within the realm of uh, medicine. So what was that experience for you changing or going back to school to get your medical degree? Oh, it was difficult. <laughs> I've been out of school for probably about seven years or so. So it was wow. kind of hard to get back on the horse. But when you, I guess they say that you really have to have a passion and what you want to do because that really helped motivate motivated me through getting through all the hardships of um, getting into medicine and going through med school and all the training process. So what have you seen change over the years that you went into practice? Besides doing a lot of telehealth now because of COVID, what changes have you seen in the, in the industry? So I'm actually kind of fresh out of residency. Um, in terms of what I've heard from some of my seniors, it's uh, getting used to working with an electronic health record system, there are several different systems out there. So I think that sometimes when people are switching from one job to another, they might have to adapt. And a lot of that training requires a lot of um, time and patience. Fortunately for me, I, I felt like being part of this generation that grew up with technology, it has really helped me kind of um, quickly adjust to the different systems that I've been working with. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, my mother, she worked in medical records after she went through she had her her own nursing career and then went into medical records and I just remember going to the office and all this paperwork now everything's on the computer now (laughs) right right definitely more environmentally friendly now yeah yeah so the holidays are coming up Dr. G and I know like for me, like my mother-in-law, she's in Chicago and, you know, she's she can't have visitors at her facility. And so we're just trying to stay connected and it can be challenging during this time. Can you talk about that and how how we can support older adults who may be experiencing loneliness and isolation? Yes. So so research has shown that having high quality relationships are important to us. They can help us live longer and healthier lives. And having this problem of social isolation and loneliness, um, on the other hand, where you kind of lack these relationships, they can have a negative effect on a person's health. And we think of social isolation as the lack of social connections. Loneliness, on the other hand, is just the feeling of being alone, regardless of their someone actually has social contact or not. And and studies have shown that social isolation actually can increase a person's risk for premature death. People in these um, these kind of categories of dealing with social isolation, loneliness, they're at a higher risk for developing dementia, heart disease, strokes, as well as depression and anxiety. So, so it's a huge concern for us. So what do we do? So 
um, ways you can, you can just pay attention to the people in your life that you come across who might be at higher risk for this. And these people are usually those individuals who live alone. They might have chronic illnesses, um, including hearing loss. And then also people who are dealing with grief where they recently lost someone who's close to them. So when you're talking with these individuals who you might have a concern for that are experiencing this problem, these individuals might seem more withdrawn. Um, they might keep their answers short if you're having a conversation with them. And they might not want to share with you like how they're doing or what they're doing. You might even notice that they're, they're spending more time alone. Um, and if you're, you're able to like kind of see them in person, whether it be like through FaceTime or something like that, you might uh, be able to pick them on some possible physical signs of these issues. This person might appear like disheveled. You might even notice some weight loss in them. Sometimes when you're talking to them, they might appear confused or just flat out kind of exhibiting behavior that you're just not, not really used to seeing from them. So, so those are some red flags that might indicate that this person is needing help. Can you talk about the use of technology to bridge that distance? Yes, of course. So um, I think one of the first steps is taking initiative upon yourself and voicing your concerns to um, your friends or family members about this individual who you're concerned about. I think that every bit of effort in trying to foster that connection counts. Whether it's doing something like FaceTime, which might be complex initially when you try to get them on it, or doing something small like just sending like a, a brief text message once a week. Something really small can have a really great impact on someone who is feeling lonely or isolated. And then like if you're having an upcoming, um, well, we have the holidays still kind of rolling around the um, corner here. Mm-hmm. For birthdays or holiday celebrations, you can do Zoom meetings or a group FaceTime. It doesn't have to last for an hour. It can just be brief where everyone kind of pops up and say hi to each other. Um, yeah, and, and birthdays. I, um, I actually experienced a Zoom birthday party a few weeks ago, <laughs> and, and it went surprisingly well, actually. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I know sometimes those can be a, a little chaotic, but I, I like them. I'm supposed to jump on a one tonight, but I think that's the new way of connecting and a new way of just checking in with family and friends. I didn't realize how much we need that as individuals to stay alert and stay out of depression, right? Right. Well, naturally, as us being humans, we're, we're social beings for most of us. And that human connection is so imperative. I, I think so as well. Can you talk about that aspect about staying active at home with your community? Right. It's so, so important for us to maintain those connections. Um, at the end of the day, we're, we're all humans and we need to have that human, human connection. Um, I think it helps motivate us and keep us um, from going stir crazy while yes. we're trying to get through this quarantine. Um, and adapt to this new kind of new norm for all, all of us. So I think that when you have that interaction with others, you're able to kind of together um, empathize and sympathize um, and also 
allow an avenue where we can vent about some of the frustrations that we're dealing with Mm -hmm. having to, you know, um, socially distance and follow the guidelines that are recommended with this quarantine. For a time there, I was just sitting on the couch, just crying. <laughs> oh. for, well, because I was watching so much news and everything was so bad. I had to say to myself, I can't watch the news anymore. Talk about that and ha- how how we can stay informed without getting pulled into the negative cycle that is. Right, right. So um, I think a good way is to just set limits, limits on uh, how much of the TV is going to be turned on. And even like with um, our phone being available at our fingertips. <laughs> it's so easy to just wipe and see what, what's going on in the world today. And um, I think we just need to really set a limit and not touch anything that's going to give us updates on the news for a while. It's going to be overwhelming. Um, yeah, so, so I think we just um, really need to reach out and try to connect with um, our loved ones or our friends and do something that's not, re- not COVID related. <laughs> um, just really take that mental break. That's really important. I, I totally concur. It's, have you noticed more and more people are, are doing that are, are really paying attention to their mental health nowadays? I think I think people are really struggling. Um, there's been a rise in people feeling depressed um, due to what's going on in the world with this pandemic. And it's unfortunate, but but I feel like there's a lot of hope out there as well. People are becoming resourceful. They, they realize that, you know, this is temporary. And, and lots of the patients that I see in the office, they want to take that initiative to change things. So a lot of them, from what I'm hearing, they're very receptive to like therapy and counseling, which is which is really positive to hear because um, it's difficult for people to sometimes open up to what they might view as a stranger. But um, but they're they're reaching out because they want the help, and I think I think that uh, shows that many people are taking initiative to um, do whatever they can to get through the through all of this. It's just <laughs> it's a lot. Um, and especially like now within like certain communities, talking about mental health is not an open subject in some families. The stigma behind, you know, having to reach out and get help or get therapy, I feel is kind of like diminishing because so many people are coming out and talking about it. What do you what are your thoughts on that? I, I agree with you. Um, yes, and it was unfortunate that there was this kind of stigma having to for someone who is trying to work through having a mental health issue. And um, I feel like there's a lot of um, services out there now, and people are sharing that they're they're using it too, and they're recommending it to friends. So I think that kind of helps open the doors and damping down that stigma that existed. So so that's something that's positive that's coming out of this too. Um, as we're as we're seeing more people reach out and try to get the help that they need. Do you know what or not addressing your mental health issues can do to your body? That's a great question. Well, there's actually been studies that show that having poor mental health and stress can cause a chronic inflammatory state, and that can have a domino effect on your overall health. 
um, putting these people at great risk of developing cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and just general, um, generally dampening their immune system. So it becomes even harder for them to fight off an illness when they get sick. I've noticed that too. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. Right. You have time to slow down now and, and think about your health much more, you know? <laughs> it's, right. It's something. So talk about the buddy system as well. Okay, yeah. So um, buddy system, it could be a very like organized system that you have in place or it can just be buddy system as in you're text messaging this individual that you're concerned about on a regular basis. So um, for example, um, I, I'm concerned about my parents. Um, they, they have been, so, we have been socially distancing with them um, just because I work in healthcare and I pose a greater risk to them. Mm-hmm. So, so I've been, lately I have been texting them photos of um, my son um, who's three and he's been doing like arts and craft projects with his school. Aww. So to keep them connected, um, I would snap photos of him and his artwork and text it over to them. Um, they're, they're thrilled when they get these texts. And, and I think it's a great way to just help them stay connected with our family, even though we have to social distance. And other ways of just doing like a buddy system informally, um, you can kind of create your own little book club or knitting club, something that like a hobby that you share. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have to be with them 24 seven, but just kind of keep in touch as a way to foster that connection. Um, I think is a great way. And, you know, um, other, another thing that we don't want to forget is how important it is to stay physically active. So, if you're able to do some kind of buddy system with this person that you're concerned about, you can maybe um, invite to exercise outdoors with them while maintaining that safe uh, social distance with them um, while you're doing this. And like those Fitbits, I have events. So like my sister's in Chicago, my friend's in Florida, and, you know, we we try to see who can get the most steps. You know, I mean, it's something, you know, it's fun and it keeps you active. What about... I don't know if this is shoot. You know how people talk about blood clots. So like I'm thinking about all the people that are not as active. Mm. Would that develop blood clots? Usually blood clots they develop with prolonged um prolonged like if you're not moving around for a lo- prolonged period of time. Um for example, um an individual who's sitting on a flight uh, that's 12 hours long, mm-hmm. something really long like that um, could be an increased risk for blood clots. But I think most people are getting up and about moving even within their homes. So that usually helps reduce the risk of a blood clot, whether you have to go to your fridge, help yourself to a drink or get a snack. Um, I think that risk is lowered with someone who's moving around in a normal sense um, of uh in that sense. Oh, good. And then there's like, you know, the stationary bike. I've had the stationary bike in my house. It's like, oh, wow, it's actually getting used now. <laughs> That's great. Yes. And some other ideas for staying connected. You talked about get moving, exercise. It decreases stress, mm-hmm. boosts your mood, okay. increases your energy. What are some other things that we can do? In terms of kind of continuing with that um 
connection with loved ones or friends who um, are having to social distance with you. I think with uh, another tip I have in regards to with uh, the holidays just around the corner mm-hmm. um, is just trying to plan ahead. Um, the earlier you plan, the more uh, likelihood someone will be able to take part in it um, and just really taking advantage of the technology that we have available. So, so I've heard of people doing like Zoom movie nights where, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, where they kind of like sit together um, through their computer, of course, watching like a holiday classic or something. Hopefully, you're if you're into this, you're the type that doesn't mind someone talking while you're watching a movie, of course. <laughs> and then you were talk, also talking about volunteering, you may want to volunteer or adopt a pet. Yeah, those are also great ways to just kind of have that human connection. Um, volunteer. There's lots of opportunities to volunteer um, virtually. And then adopting a pet, um, you know, I, I think that um, studies have shown that having a pet can help reduce a person's stress uh, tremendously. And and I've actually heard of like a robot pets. I don't know if you've heard of that, but um, I can't remember where I've seen this, but there's a like a robotic pet seal that some people can have oh wow if they can't if they can't like uh care after a pet mm-hmm. um an actual pet but yeah these are these are all great ideas and there's lots of options out there to try to stay connected and I know again we talked about you know stress and anxiety can you go on about what should you ask during like these remote interactions with your elderly friends and family Right, right. So if you're having um, a conversation with them and they express to you that they're dealing with uh, stress or anxiety, one of the things you might want to see is if this is a short-term or a long-term issue, you want to ask about their appetite, see if they're eating regularly and if they're eating healthy meals. Make sure that they're not just having like a meal of tea and toast, Um you should ask if how they're sleeping and also, again, uh, making sure that they're, they're exercising and um, getting some physical activity, too. Those are all very important things to kind of ask. Yeah. How about you? How are you handling, you know, being in the medical field during this time? I see a lot of posts of, you know, nurses and medical professionals, you know, s- struggling with it as well. Like, how, are, how do you help yourself? Being a mom of a three-year-old <laughs> um, is a lot of fun. So, so uh, I mean, it's exhausting, but yes. it's also a lot of fun. So I feel that he just helps me decompress from work yeah. each day. And uh, I, I think uh, this kind of people decompress from their work in various ways. And I feel that being a mom of a three-year-old and having family around me um, – in my immediate household, of course, mm-hmm. is very helpful um, for me in terms of dealing with all the stress that kind of arise from this pandemic. Yeah, the kids are like, they put you back in reality. <laughs> right, they give you a reality check <laughs> right. every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> the other day, my son, he popped up, you know, he pops up at 6 a.m. Sometimes it goes later. <laughs> I said to my husband, I was like, at what age do kids not pop up at 6 a.m. to tell you that it's daytime. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, please just sleep in. But he's so excited about the day. And it's just I love that type of energy. And then 
when you look at their face and you go in and like I could you know have most stressful day and then go home and then he's all giggles and laughs it's like oh okay this is this is life this is good right I totally agree with you so where can uh, we find support and resources for an older adult experiencing loneliness and isolation Dr. G that's a great question so um where I work at Optum, we offer a free hotline for people to talk with trained professionals who will connect our callers to local resources. And the service is available um, 24-7. And it's available to the general public, so it's not just like Optum Care patients. Oh, really? Um, right, yeah. It's, it's a really great service that's out there. Um, for anyone that's interested, they can call one 342 6892. Again, this is available 24 7 and it's available to the general public. Okay, that's 1 866 342 6892. And if you're, again, if you have an older adult experiencing loneliness or isolation during the holidays and beyond, please, please use that number. Uh, Dr. G, how can you handle? sadness and disappointment of missing out on holiday traditions and gatherings uh, during COVID-19? I, I think um, I would go back to kind of like the early recommendations of just trying to plan ahead and do something that um, your friends, families can take part in, whether it be a Zoom movie night that we mentioned yes. or um, even um, playing a game together like Pictionary or Charades. You can do this over um, webcam. So um, I think those are all great ways of uh, trying to foster that, that human connection. And also, you know, just try not to be too hard on yourself. Um, try to remind yourself that although the holiday is going to look different, um, social distancing should not mean social isolation. Mm-hmm. And, and really remind us that, you know, we're, we're all in this together and together we'll, we'll, we will get through this. Yes, most definitely. Well, I thank you so much, Dr. Kelly G. It's a pleasure having you on and helping us get through the holidays. I wish you and your family a happy holidays and a wonderful new year. And um, please stay safe. Thank you very much, Laferne. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. And I wish you and your family a happy holiday as well. Stay safe out there. Thank you. Again, that's Dr. Kelly G., family and medicine physician with Optum Care Medical Group in Ladera Ranch. I'm Laferne Cusack. This is 710 ESPN. You've been listening to The Experience with Laferne Cusack. Getting the residents of Los Angeles, Orange County, and all of Southern California closer to their community. It's The Experience with Laferne Cusack on 710 ESPN.